0: hello and welcome to dedicated packers the podcast where you do come out through my packers and we don't about anything else let's go all right hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers, it is Wednesday, August sixteenth, and today we we have a very interesting episode. We're gonna run through expectations for Green Bay's pass catchers, and that should be a lot of fun. First, however, there are two practices I want to get to, so we're gonna run through those. I, I want to say quickly, but knowing how how much I enjoy talking about these practices, it might take a little bit longer than expected. So today might be a longer episode. But we're going to run through two practices, specifically the joint practice today against the Patriots. There will be another one tomorrow. And then we're going to talk about Green Bay's pass catchers. So for now, on Monday, the Packers had a padded practice. On Sunday, they had a non-padded practice. I'm not even going to talk about that. All you got to know, Jordan had a phenomenal two-minute drive, and Luke Musgrave keeps stacking success. We did learn that from Matt LaFleur on Sunday, aside from Tyler Davis, Matt Lafleur's most concerned with Luke Tenuta's ankle injury. Sounds like Tyler Goodson, Caleb Jones, and Corey Ballantyne. Their injuries all don't sound as serious, which is, which is good to hear. Luke Tenuta, we'll see sort of what happened there. He got carted off, so obviously expectations, you might want to keep them a little bit low. Super, super interesting on Sunday was that Rashid Walker was getting first-team reps at left tackle with Bakhtiari out. Nyman was practicing at left tackle with the second team. Matt LaFleur talked about how impressed he was with Rashid. So, sounds like he's Rashid is really putting himself in the conversation of you know those top Packers tackles. I'm not going to say. I mean, he's definitely not that not up there with Bakhtiari. Probably not. Up there was Zach Tommer or, or Josh Nyman, but he's getting himself closer to that conversation, which is awesome to hear, right? He's a seventh round pick, a guy that while he was picked in the seventh round was perhaps going to be a, a third or fourth round pick, or at least that's how he was projected. So he's a top, top tier guy in terms of talent. It's awesome to see him start putting things together. You just, I'm excited for what he can do in the future. Let's just put it that way. So awesome to see him taking those first team left tackle reps on Saturday, no, Sunday, on Sunday, on Monday, not practicing, guys were Eric Stokes, Innis Gaines, Caleb Jones, Lou Nichols, Tariq Carpenter, Tyler Davis, Tyler Goodson, David Bakhtiari, and Kenny Clark, nothing too surprising on that list, right, Caleb Jones, Tyler Goodson, obviously they both had injuries in the last preseason game, nice to see, it sounds like Corey Ballantyne was practicing, Bakhtiari was getting some rest, and then Kenny Clark, that's the really interesting one, it was reported he's resting with a back injury, Hopefully, that clears itself up after a couple of days, right? Kenny Clark, he's the anchor of this defensive line, especially with Rashawn Gary still recovering from his ACL. So, Kenny Clark, I mean, he's not going to play in the preseason. I don't need him to. Just have him ready for week one, right, and have him healthy. Jair was back at practice, so that's at least some positive injury news. Awesome to see. He wasn't doing team drills on Monday, but he did end up doing team drills on Wednesday. So, great to see Jair back and recovered from that groin in Monday in 1v1s wide receiver versus DBs Carrington Valentine he was matched up on Grant DuBose sounds like the two went back and forth which is really cool to hear because those are DuBose is a guy that was injured but now he's going up against really arguably the Packers top rookie in camp in Carrington Valentine sounds like he's doing well so that's awesome to hear Carrington was all over DuBose on the first route some said it was. It maybe would have been called a penalty in a game. Sticky coverage on the second route just shut down Dubose, but then Dubose came back on his third route. Great route, great deep catch versus Valentine. So nice little battle there. Christian Watson he had two completions working against Keyshawn Nixon. First one on a on a comeback route, and then left Keyshawn in the dust downfield. Kind of unfair to match Keyshawn up against Christian Watson, but you know you got to do what you got to do. Dobbs he won on a deep corner versus Rasul. Toure had an incredible route and catch versus Shamar Charles. Then had another catch later versus Tyrell Ford, Reed and Musgrave. Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, they both won their matchups against Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford, respectively. So that's sort of what you had going there in one v ones. The biggest thing to take note of was Grant Dubose matched up on on Valentine. In team drills on Monday, the starting line was Yash at left tackle, Jenkins at left guard, Myers at center, John Runyon Jr. at right guard, and Zach Tom at right tackle. Elton got a rest later in practice during team drills, so Tom slid over to his spot at left guard, and then Rasheed Walker got the right tackle reps there, so Yash is at left tackle, Rashid at right tackle, and then Yash at left tackle, and Zach Tom at right tackle interspersed in different parts of of team drills on defense interesting starters van ness was getting starting reps at edge he's been starting to work in with the ones a little bit more as of late jonathan owens was still with the ones at safety and then carrington valentine he was with the ones too really in the place of of jair on monday notes from practice sounds like a fine practice for love A, a similar practice it was, everything was really good except for two to three bad throws. He hit Watson and Musgrave multiple times, hit them both on out routes, hit them both on dig routes over the middle, hit Watson on a massive, you know, 30-yard out route off of play action. So that sounds good overall. Sounds like Love was spreading the ball out, hitting a wide variety of targets. Dobbs, Watson, Musgrave, Reed, over and over and over, right? Rinse, repeat. It's just three bad plays that are going to stick out in your mind, and there were three bad throws from Love on Monday. The first first play, I believe, of practice, in team drills at least, he threw a very high pass over the head of Jaden Reed, so that one went incomplete, he missed Dobbs on a crosser, this one sounds like the really egregious miss, it's one he absolutely should have hit, just missed Dobbs on the crosser, like, I I didn't, I mean, there's no video of it, but I imagine something like he missed Musgrave on the crosser in the preseason game, and then, the last play of practice Carrington Valentine jumps in a Romeo Dobbs out route on the sideline, takes it back 80 yards for what would be a pick six. Hey, man, it doesn't sound like it was a bad throw from Jordan Love. Sounds like Carrington just made a good play. Now, there is a, a positive thing and a negative thing. The positive thing is Jordan love has really been working those out routes. Well, you've seen it all the time. You saw it in the preseason game, right? It was third and four send Watson emotion, quick little out, love Watson automatic five yards first down. They ran that all the time with Devante. And now it seems like Jordan loves getting really good at it. He's hitting that consistently accuracy on those throws is really good. Not that it should be too hard, right? It's a five yard out. Sounds like, however, he's hitting those with accuracy. He's hitting those really well in terms of timing. but. Sounds like they've been running quite a bit of that in training camp. Carrington Valentine, smart player, picked up on that. He said, oh, you know, they're throwing a lot of those out routes. This time he read it, jumped it, picked it off. That's something Jordan's going to have to be wary of in games, right? Because players are going to watch film, and if the Packers keep running a lot of out routes, teams are going to start picking up on that, and one of them might get jumped. So... Just something Jordan has to be wary of. Other than those three throws, sounds like a good day. Really good day from Jordan Love. Just those three throws that leave you wanting a little bit more. Second person to have notes on, Christian Watson. Sounds like he had a phenomenal practice. Just honestly, just doing what I expect from Christian Watson. He was getting open consistently. Love hit him multiple times in team drills. And then in 1v1s, he was leaving Keyshawn Dixon in the dust. It's, It's typical Christian Watson stuff. Luke Musgrave, buy the Luke Musgrave stock. We're going to talk about both Musgrave and Watson today because we're talking about Green Bay's pass catchers. Holy cow, Luke Musgrave and Jordan Love just keep connecting. And he's a rookie tight end. And it's so, so, so hard for rookie tight ends to produce. So I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest to temper expectations for Luke Musgrave. But holy cow, is it hard? Luke Musgrave sounds like... It feels like every single time you look on Twitter and there's a training camp practice going on, Luke Musgrave to Jordan Love, incredible throw, incredible catch. It's all the time. It's constant. Those two have really been hooking up. And Luke Musgrave, he's certified tight end one, right? He's going to be on the field a bunch. So I'm, I'm having a really hard time not expecting a lot from this guy's a rookie tight end. So Luke Musgrave, buy that stock. Another guy uh, who performed very nicely in practice, another pass catcher, Grant Dubose. We know he's been injured, but it sounded like he performed very, very well in practice on Monday, and there is a chance that maybe he's going to start sticking his nose into that wide receiver six battle. He's been injured; that's definitely been a been a problem with him. But seems like Bo Melton's kind of fallen behind. Malik Heath has really stepped up, and it might be Malik Heath and Grant DuBose battling it out for wide receiver six. If Grant DuBose and Malik Heath both keep performing really, really well, maybe they keep seven wide receivers. So definitely still a good chance for Grant DuBose to make that roster. Awesome hearing him perform well. Carrington Valentine, we have to talk about him, right? He just continues to flash. Talked about him a bunch in the Sunday episode where we recap the preseason because he showed out in the preseason He was doing well in 1v1s, getting reps with the ones in team drills, and then he houses a pick six. I don't know what else there is to say at this point. This is as exciting a rookie as we've had to cover in God knows how long with Green Bay. Carrington is making plays every single day. Romeo Dobbs last year, people were excited. Dobbs was making a bunch of plays But with Carrington, it's so constant, and especially the fact that it's coming from the seventh round rookie that no one expected a lot from is super, super, super impressive. So Carrington Valentine, shout out. And then the last guy we have to talk about, Anders Carlson. He went four for six on the day, missed his first kick, a -A PAT, wide right. Sound familiar? It's because he missed two of those. In the game against Cincinnati. He did come back. Went four for five on field goals. So not bad. But it's just kind of the Anders Carlson experience. Four for six. Right? That's like 67%. You can't have that from a kicker that you're going to start. It just doesn't work. So Anders Carlson, we need to see more consistency from him. With that Monday practice out of the way. Look, it only took 10 minutes. This is going to be a long episode. I told you guys. Wednesday's joint practice. Bakhtiari. He had another rest day. Kenny Clark was still out. Devondre also out with an ankle injury. So none of that's good, right? Bakhtiari, I mean, it's basically a rest day with him. Not too concerned about that. Kenny and Devondre, the hope is those those two injuries aren't very serious. I don't think they are. I think we'd have heard if they were more serious. Bo Melton, he was out with a hamstring injury. He's sort of been falling behind lately. The hamstring injury just really hurts his team chances if he can't return to practice quickly. Ennis Gaines, Eric Stokes, Caleb Jones, Tariq Carpenter, Tyler Goodson, and Lou Nichols, all the other guys not practicing. Then, obviously, Tyler Davis and Luke Tenuda, they were both not practicing as well. Matt LaFleur said that Tenuda's was the most concerning injury, so not surprising. I talked about that. Not surprising that both of those guys aren't practicing. They're probably going to be put on IR at some point pretty soon. In team drills, against the Patriots, in the joint practice, your starting offense, Jordan Love, obviously, running back Aaron Jones, wide receivers, Watson and Dobbs, tight ends, they went with 12 personnel, Luke Musgrave and Josiah DeGuara, and then everything was the same on the line, Nyman was in at left tackle, and then, you know, everything was the same from there, so Nyman at left tackle, Elton at left guard, Myers at center, Runyon at right guard and Zach Tom at right tackle. Valentine, he was still in in the in, with the ones in teams. Jair also came in later, got some reps there. So those two were kind of swapping in and out, not because Jair's competing with Carrington, because Jair has a groin injury and they're trying to take it easy. Um, Tarverius Moore, he was getting starting reps at safety alongside Darnall Savage. So Jonathan Owens, after having really a week and a half to two weeks of getting all the starting reps... He performed a little bit poorly in the preseason, got starting reps on both Sunday and Monday, but Tarverius Moore jumped in there today. Lucas Van Ness was getting starting reps at edge, and then Isaiah McDuffie filled in at middle linebacker to replace Campbell. The first period of team drills, Jordan started with a check down to Dylan, then hit a slant to Watson, a swing pass to Dylan for five, and hit Dobbs on a short crosser. So started really good, started four for four. Then... Love through what Andy Herman described as a cover two hole shot. So if you guys think back to the Philadelphia game, for those of you who don't remember, uh, what a lot of people said was Jordan's best throw in that game was an incompletion. It was Aaron Jones down the right sideline, cover two, so you have a cornerback playing in a little cloud flat, um, sort of closer to the line of scrimmage on the left sideline, and then a safety playing in that deep half. Right in between those two zones, there's a tiny window. Jordan hit an absolute bullet into that window. Went right off Aaron Jones's hands, but a lot of people were saying, "Hey, look at this throw. This is exactly the type of throw that gets you super excited." Sounds like Jordan hit a super, super similar throw to Christian Watson. However, it went right through Christian Watson's hands. Not really sure why. Didn't so totally sound like it was a drop from Watson. It just sounded like he didn't see it and then didn't get his hands up in time, and the ball just sort of went right past his hands. So. That, that is a ball that you probably want to be caught, but incompletion there, Love came back, hit Jaden Reed on a slant, missed Malik Heath. That was really his first like actual miss of the day. Then he hit Jaden Reed for a short pickup. And then in the last throw of that team period, I believe the ball got tipped away as he was trying to hit Christian Watson over the middle, but he finished seven for 10 in that first period really should have been eight for 10, a good start for Jordan. In the red zone period, Love hit Musgrave for a touchdown. He hit Musgrave again for a beautiful ball up the seam that sounds like one of Jordan's best throws of practice. Just Luke Musgrave doing exactly what Luke Musgrave does, using his speed and height to get up the seam and get big. Jordan, with a perfect throw, hits Musgrave in the hands. Great throw, great catch. Love also hit Romeo Dobbs for a gorgeous touchdown, sounds like. Romeo Dobbs doing Romeo Dobbs things, making phenomenal catches. He also showed off his hard count a little bit, got the defense to jump. Jordan's hard count truly is legitimate. It's been in a lot of practices now. We're hearing reports about his hard count. We saw it in the Cincinnati game in that second drive, second and four, hard count, boom, automatic first down. Love seeing that from from Jordan Love. A lot of people are going to say, you know, he got it from Aaron Rodgers. Undoubtedly, Aaron Rodgers helped him. Aaron Rodgers, the master of the hard count himself, right? But Jordan's hard count in college wasn't that bad either. So just awesome seeing his hard count from college come over, add in whatever help Aaron Rodgers gave him. His hard count is really, really legitimate. And that's awesome to see. The Packers, other plays in that red zone period, they got a little creative, sent Musgrave across, gave him a little pop pass that ended up picking up seven. And then a phenomenal play from Jaden Reed went up and over Jack Jones, I want to say. Someone, one of the Patriots' defensive backs, a phenomenal leaping grab. Unfortunately, he was pretty clearly out of bounds, but Jaden Reed, he is a jump ball. He is significantly more of a jump ball receiver than you would expect for someone who's short as Jaden Reed is by NFL standards. Jaden Reed's something like 5'10, b- below 200 pounds. So he plays a lot bigger than he is, but that was the takeaway from the red zone period. In the second move the ball period, it seemed like the offense was getting stalled out a little bit. Love just missed Romeo Dobbs, almost a perfect ball into a tight window down the sideline place where only Dobbs can get it, but ever so slightly over overthrown. Andy Herman said, you know, if that ball hung up in the air for an extra quarter of a second, Dobbs would have been under it and it would have been a phenomenal catch. But it was one of those days. Andy Herman, I think, put it great. And this was what. You know the gist from Twitter today it was one of those days for Jordan where even the incompletions looked good, and that's that's what you saw, I guess on that incompletion was the ball was about as close to perfect as you can get without it being complete and then i I said, you know the offense maybe they seemed like they were stalling a bit, love miss Dobbs had a had a miss to read in there, I think came back and said, hold my beer, hit Christian Watson on a deep cross or deep post route. Can't really tell, but there is a video of that one online, so go find it, because that'll release some dopamine. Christian Watson gets behind both the cornerback and safety. The cornerback, top pick, Christian Gonzalez. I really wanted them. You'll know if you were listening back back in April. I really wanted Green Bay to get Christian Gonzalez. They didn't get him, but you get to see him in the joint practice. You get to see Christian Watson dust. Christian Gonzalez, Christian Gonzalez falls down, trying to break up the deep pass. Watson grabs it, takes it to the house for what would be a 70, 75 yard touchdown. Just a phenomenal play. I mean, it showcases Christian Watson's deep playmaking ability, his speed, his route running, and it showcases Jordan Love's arm. Jordan Love just unfurling a beauty, beauty. Followed that one up by hitting two rate for 15. And then in the two-minute period, the scenario was tie game, 0-0, one timeout, a minute 30 left, ball around the offense's own 25. Love started out, hit Dobbs on a slant for around 20, Watson on a crosser, Watson again for a nice contested catch over the middle. There was a penalty on the next play for the offense. Didn't really matter, though, because Love came back, hit Watson on a slant for a massive pickup, and at that point, the ball after something like four or five plays, was on the opposing 25. So they basically flipped fields in a matter of five plays, first and 10 with 11 seconds left. Love hits Dobbs for around five yards on an out route, and then purposely throws the ball away to burn time. That leaves them with just a couple seconds left, a 40-yard field goal set up for Anders Carlson for the win, and Anders Carlson misses it. Yikes. He was so good on the day. He was good from 33, good from 40, good from 42, good from 48, and good from 50. But when the first-team offense set him up for that game-winning field goal, he couldn't hit it. And that is the Anders Carlson experience. And that's why I don't think they will, because they like to give their rookies some runway. That is why I think Brian Gutekunst... I I mean, that is why I wouldn't hate it if Brian Gutekunst said, Hey, Mason Crosby your leg looks okay, come kick for us. That's sort of that's sort of where I'm at with that. It's probably not a massive deal because they're not Super Bowl contenders, let's be honest. But if it gets to the point where Anders Carlson is costing them games and the team isn't a train wreck, which I don't expect it to be, then Goody might have to look in the mirror and say, maybe we need to bring in an extra kicker, at least just for this season. The Packers' defense didn't really get to talk about them the, it sounded like the defense was generally solid, a great job by the edge rushers, Enag Bari with a couple of flash, flash play, plays, him and Carl Brooks. Both had some very nice run stops. Uh, Bari also had a, a would-be sack in the two-minute drill. And then on the next play, right after that would-be sack from Enag Bari, Devontae Wyatt and Carl Brooks blew through the Patriots' offensive line. So sounds like good day from all of those guys. Preston Smith and Justin Hollins early on. They had some very nice rushes in the secondary. Carrington and Jair both had nice PBUs in the in during the red zone period. They tried to test Carrington Valentine deep early on, but he said, no, 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 not today. Knock that ball away. Devonte Parker, I think they were trying to test him with. He said, no, nope, I'm not giving that up. So good day from the defense. Great day from the offense. Jordan Love absolutely dealing so, so nice to see that ball to Watson, that ball to Watson. And then the one from a week ago or two weeks ago when he hit Watson up the right sideline, those two videos are ones that I have bookmarked and you better believe you're going to see me quote tweeting, you know, when it's week, week one and Jordan Love does the same thing to Christian Watson, you're going to see me quote tweeting that play with a video of the, uh, of the training camp bombs to Christian Watson. One quick note I want to I wanna hit on before we move on to expectations for patch catchers. Jaden Reed, he was banged up earlier in practice, not in the two-minute drive, but earlier in practice, and then he didn't play in the two-minute drive. So it seemed like he was okay. He was holding his helmet on the sideline, but just hope he'll be okay tomorrow, right? Because Jaden Reed's had a really, really promising camp. That being said, that's the Monday practice. That's the Wednesday practice out of the way. Let's move on to my expectations for Green Bay's pass catchers. Green Bay, you guys know this, they're extremely young at the pass catching positions. So what I want to do is I want to devote this episode to covering them because I think it is very difficult. A lot I see a lot of people in the media, not really Green Bay-centric guys. I see guys like, I hate even saying his name, but Colin Cowherd and a bunch of other of those national media Companies talking about Green Bay's pass catchers and their wide receiver core. And I think a lot of people's beliefs are misguided. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk first about the wide receivers, then we'll talk about the tight ends. At wide receiver, let's just stick with the five guys that I guarantee are going to be on the roster Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samari Toure, and Don Tavion Wicks. It's a super interesting approach from Green Bay when you look at that group because all offseason, Green Bay didn't bring in a veteran wide receiver. So now, heading into the season, their oldest receiver is, I mean, the guy that's likely going to make the the roster, their oldest receiver that's likely going to make the roster is second-year receiver Samari Toure, who's 25. You follow that up by 24-year-old Christian Watson, 23-year-old Romeo Dobbs. That is an absurdly young position group with very little proven talent, right? The the most talent or proven talent you have at that position is Christian Watson. And Christian Watson played one year last year and had something like 700 yards. He was great in the back half of the year. Don't get me wrong, but he was great through 10 games. There's not a lot of proven talent at that wide receiver position. And so as a result, people are, I'm going to say unsurprisingly, hesitant to expect much from that group. In fact, outside of Green Bay fans, a lot, a lot of people disparage Green Bay's receiving core. Because what do you see when you look at those names? You see Christian Watson, you think, okay, he had a good 10-game stretch. You see Romeo Dobbs, you think, unless you're friends with a Packers fan, or you are a Packers fan, you think, yeah, I remember last summer when Romeo Dobbs's name was brought up in fantasy conversations, and then he didn't get any points. And you look at Samari Touré, you say, who's that? You look at Jaden Reed, you say, oh, yeah, I think I heard his name you know, in the second round of the draft or something. So a lot of those guys at the wide receiver position, nobody really knows. But as someone who has been looking at this group for, I mean, a year now, what do I expect? Well, let me give you just sort of titles for what I expect from these roles. A numero uno, your X receiver, the guy that you're going to move everywhere, the guy that's going to get a huge amount of targets, it's Christian Watson. That's your wide receiver one, no question, unquestionable. He's your wide receiver one. And I have big expectations for him, but we'll talk about that. Your gadget guy, that's Jaden Reed in my mind. Your Swiss Army knife, the guy, Every everything that people wanted Amari Rodgers to be, Jaden Reed is that. And if the Packers had taken Amari Rodgers and Amari Rodgers were as talented as Jaden Reed, that pick would look a lot better. Unfortunately, Amari Rodgers isn't talented, but they say, play the role that we want Jaden Reed to play, and Amari Rodgers sucked in it. So now he's was on the Texans, he's cut from the Texans now. Your secondary Reed guy, that's what I've labeled Romeo Dobbs. Your get open and make a play guy, that's what I've labeled Samari Toure. And then your be on the field guy is what I've labeled Dontavian Wicks, and whoever your wide receiver six, maybe wide receiver seven are. So what, is, what do all these titles mean? Let's start at the back. The beyond the field guys. Receivers five and six and seven, if they're there. Quite literally just backup receivers. LaFleur might say, hey, we want to go five wide here because there's a certain look we want to exploit and we want to get a good matchup for Christian Watson. So we want four receivers here and we actually need Jaden Reed to get a rest on this play. Dontavion Wicks you're in. And Wicks, he's going to be the last read on that play, maybe even behind Aaron Jones when they're in five wide, but the Packers are going to need that extra receiver to occupy a cornerback to get the matchup that they want and maybe to clear out of safety. So Wicks is going to be in on that play. He's not going to do anything as that fifth receiver. It's his job simply to run the right route And hopefully we don't have to throw it to him. Now, I'm not trying to disparage Dontavion Wicks. If he starts getting open every time he's on the field, if he starts making plays, well, now you're going to consider getting him on the field more, making him a guy that actually gets a play or two drawn up for him. But for now, he's not that. He's a fifth receiver that's flashed a little bit in the preseason. And that fifth receiver, that sixth receiver, they're just going to have to get on the field. And their only job is going to be run the right route. If the ball gets thrown to them, hey, make a play. That'd be awesome. But there's nothing too special about this role. And whoever you put in this role, it doesn't really matter. Green Bay can put a, a rookie in there, as they're doing, or they could put a 10 year veteran in there. It doesn't matter. Let's be honest. The job of that fifth or sixth receiver is to get on the field, run the right route, and they don't usually end up deciding whether or not a team goes to the Super Bowl. Now that we have that area out of the way, I'm going to label it the you don't matter area, but. I mean that in the nicest way possible. Now that we have that area out of the way, let's jump back to the front of the receiving core. On every good NFL team, there's a bona fide number one. And that's just kind of the reality. So let's look at last year's Super Bowl teams. The one exception, I guess you could say is Kansas City, but they have, in my mind, the best quarterback ever. They have arguably the best tight end ever. And they had a bunch of good backup wide receivers. So Let's cut Kansas City out. When we look at the other seven conference championships last year, that was Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Philly, New York, Dallas, and San Francisco. New York and Jacksonville, they were really the only two teams in that list without a bona fide number one. Jacksonville, they just traded for one and in in Calvin Ridley, and last year they lost in the divisional round. New York famously didn't have anywhere close to a number one receiver last year. They got absolutely mauled in the divisional round. They were definitely the misfits, those two teams. So now when we look at those other five, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Philly, Dallas, and San Francisco, Cincinnati has Jamar Chase, definitely a top five receiver. Buffalo has Stephon Diggs, pretty arguably a top five receiver. Philly has A.J. Brown probably not a top five receiver, but top 10. Definitely. There's a case for that. Dallas is CD lamb, definitely a top 10 receiver. And San Francisco has a man by the name of Debo Samuel. And I envision Christian Watson establishing himself this year as green Bay's bona fide Number one superstar receiver playing a role similar to Debo Samuel. And this episode is all about expectations. And that's my expectation for Christian Watson specifically It's that he is going to establish himself as a superstar on the level of Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and and CeeDee Lamb. And you can go check out my Christian Watson deep dive. I'm not going to go all the way back in because that's not what this episode is about. It's about applying that deep dive. But in my mind, Christian Watson is going to get targeted like a number one receiver. And that's something that we really didn't see last year. And that's something that we do see with these bona fide number one guys. They get a huge amount of plays drawn up for them where they're the first read. And sometimes it's like, hey, you're the first read, get open. Other times it's, you're going to start the play open. We're going to throw you a little swing pass or a little screen pass or a jet sweep. And you're going to have to go make plays. And Trey Watson, Christian's brother, a football player himself, he's played in the NFL, the CFL, most recently the XFL with the St. Louis Battlehawks. Trey Watson was on the Packaday podcast and he made a tremendous point. He said last year it took until week 18, that game against Detroit. We all remember it. The Packers lost. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. 2016. Yeah, it was tough. It took until week 18 for there to be a concerted, clear effort to get Christian the ball, for him to be treated like a number one receiver. And I don't think it was it was just the Detroit game. I also think if you look back at the beginning of the Miami game, he only played for the first half there because he got injured, uh, you know, at the end of the first half. But in that Miami, Detroit game, he had seven touches. In that Miami game, he had six just in the first half. But in general, I think Trey Watson's point stands, which is that you only got to see Christian Watson get those large number of designated touches towards the end of the year, get that wide receiver one treatment towards the end of the year. And I think that to start this year, you're going to see him get a hundred percent of that treatment. So what does that mean? What does that look like? You're going to see him get plays where he's put in motion And he's put in motion to get him a matchup that you want. He's put in motion to get him into the slot. And super awesome thing about Christian Watson. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He can play anywhere. You're going to see, you know, action motion to get him into a matchup in the slot. Oh, look at that. Christian Watson's matched up against a linebacker. Jordan Love is going to see that, and he's going to say, yes, please. He's going to say, Christian Watson, go run this route. I'm throwing it to you. Christian Watson's going to beat the linebacker because every starting NFL receiver is going to beat a linebacker, let alone a guy who's one of the fastest receivers in the NFL. He's going to beat that linebacker, and he's going to get the ball. But beyond that, you're going to see plays where the Packers throw it to him on drags behind the line of scrimmage. We saw that a bunch last year. Play action, Jordan Love, play action, Christian Watson in motion. And he gets it on a little drag route, takes it up the field 15 yards. You're going to see them handing it off to him on jet sweeps. And... That's exactly the type of treatment you saw Devontae get in Green Bay. Now, with Devontae, it wasn't so much jet sweeps. It was more, oh, we're going to run a little run solution to Devontae because the back, the, the box is stacked. Let's let's swing it outside to Devontae, let him go on a run solution. He's going to pick up 10. But Christian is going to have every single game. He's going to have, you know, five to 10 plays schemed up for him where the Packers really want to get him the ball. And on five of those, he's definitely going to get the ball because it's going to be a short pass. It's going to say, Christian, you have the ball now go make a play and he's going to make a play and every single time Christian Watson gets the ball the difficulty of ending that play for the defense ramps up just ramps up a notch and so yeah Christian Watson there's going to be plenty of plays where it's third and 10 and everyone knows he's the number one there's one minute left and so they double him And Green Bay has to just line up Christian Watson and hope he wins. And sometimes he'll be in single coverage and he will win. He'll run the corner and he'll win and he'll get the ball. And that's great. That's what you expect from a number one. Sometimes he'll be doubled and even still he'll win. Sometimes he'll be doubled and he won't win. But that's not where I see Christian Watson having the biggest impact. The biggest impact is going to be in the fact that Matt LaFleur is going to find ways to get Christian Watson the football, and there is going to be a super clear concerted effort to put the ball into your best player's hands, and that means putting the ball into Christian Watson's hands. So that's what I expect in terms of how Christian Watson's going to be used, and in terms of his production, I'm expecting... Somewhere around 900, 800 to 1,000 yards, I'm expecting plenty of catches, and I'm expecting a guy that, by the end of the season, opposing defenses have to look at every game and say, how do we stop Christian Watson? Moving on. Romeo Dobbs. I labeled him your second read guy. That might sound a little bit offensive. I promise you it was not meant to be offensive. Romeo Dobbs is the Packers' clear number two, and... Like every good team in the NFL has a bona fide number one, almost every good team also has a very good number two. Kansas City, they had a bunch of number twos last year, right? MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster, both really good number twos. Cincinnati, they have T. Higgins, a, probably a top fifteen receiver in the NFL, and he's there. Then T. Higgins is their second best receiver. San Francisco, they have Brandon Ayuk, and then Philly has Devonta Smith. Romeo Dobbs, definitely going to be the Packers second receiver, going to be the guy that's on the field all the time alongside Christian Watson, unless they do, you know, one wide receiver sets. But that only happens when you're running something like 13 personnel, right? Which I don't see them doing a huge amount. So what do I expect from Romeo Dobbs? I don't expect him to be on that Devonta Smith, Brandon Ayuk level. It's his second year. I, I think he's capable of getting to that level. But I don't think he'll be there yet. He's not going to be that T. Higgins guy. But I do think he can be as good as Juju was last year. I just want him to be able to get open and make catches. And he's not going to get the Christian Watson treatment of having Matt specifically scheme up 10 plays a game for him because Romeo Dobbs isn't the playmaker that Christian Watson is, just like he isn't really the playmaker that Devontae Adams was, at least not yet. But he's going to be on the field a lot. And I expect him and Jordan to connect a lot. I expect you to see a lot of that second and five play action, love, top of the drop, fires a 10-yard dig route to Dobbs in the middle of the field, good catch, easy yardage. I expect to see that a huge amount because Romeo Dobbs, probably the smoothest Packers receiver, probably the most polished Packers receiver, the guy who, when he runs routes, you think, yeah, he knows what he's doing. He has a really, really beautiful attention to detail. The guys whose hands look the most fluid. So Romeo Dobbs is the guy that I expect to be getting a lot of targets off of play action, off of these design plays, and I think he's going to have a decent amount of production because of it. I'm thinking seven to 800 yards, and I'm saying he is that guy that at the end of the season, people are going to start considering him as you know, maybe a later round fantasy guy. The places where, just past where Brandon Ayuk is going in fantasy drafts right now, maybe that's where you start drafting Romeo Dobbs because you notice, hey, Romeo and Jordan have a connection and the Packers like getting the ball to Romeo Dobbs, especially, and this is super important, this is where I talk about expectations for the receiving core as a whole, especially because, let's say, the Packers are running 12 personnel, so you have two wide receivers on the field. That means Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs probably going to be on the field together. Christian Watson, guess what? He's going to run a little, let's say he just runs a nine route. He's going to take a cornerback and a safety with him. That means Dobbs, a lot of the time is going to have a nice little one-on-one matchup and Jordan play action. He's going to find that one-on-one matchup with Romeo Dobbs and Romeo Dobbs is going to get the ball because Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson can play off each other. Their skill sets play off each other very, very nicely. And I think that With Christian Watson sometimes occupying extra defenders, Dobbs is going to get plenty of targets. And that's what I'm excited for for Dobbs. He's showed out in training camp. I'm just excited to see him produce in the regular season. And hopefully he doesn't get injured. Samari Toure. I'm... I'm... I labeled Samari Toure your get-open-and-catch guy. What I mean... Is that Samari Touré is sort of right between Romeo Dobbs and Dontavian Wicks for me. He's, not, he's definitely not at the Dontavian Wicks level or wide receiver six, Malik Heath level of when you're on the field, just run the right route. And if the ball comes to you, make a catch. He is, however, also not on the Romeo Dobbs level of when we're running 12 personnel, we want you on the field, which is where Romeo Dobbs is. Samari Touré is on the level of when we run 11 personnel. We're going to have you on the field a bunch as the third receiver. And when we run a play, we would like you to get open. And I expect you to see a lot of Toure making one to two plays per game. It's third down. It's third and seven. Love. Looking. No one there. They've boxed up Romeo Dobbs. They've boxed They've boxed up Christian Watson. He rolls out and he finds Toure coming back to the ball for a 10-yard completion and conversion. If Samari Toure, as your third or fourth receiver, is just a guy that works his way to get open occasionally comes back to the ball makes plays when it matters that's what I want and that's what I'm expecting from Samari Toure Jaden Reed I said it before Jaden Reed he's your gadget guy and this is the last guy I want to discuss at the receiver position he he's the Swiss Army knife. there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be in motion a huge amount he's going to be getting pop passes in the red zone Green Bay is going to do anything they can to spring him for for a big game because you saw in college that speed is lethal And so anything they can do to just get the ball in his hands and let him make plays, that's what you expect. From a more traditional standpoint, I don't expect a huge amount from Jaden Reed. He's going to work in the middle of the field. He's going to be running those dig routes. He and Luke Musgrave, two guys you can definitely expect to be working in the middle of the field together, and I expect him to iron out his drop issues. I don't want to see a lot of drops from him. I expect him to run routes with precision, run the right route, obviously, But I don't expect a ton of production, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jaden Reed and Samari Toure get a similar number of snaps, where Jaden Reed and Samari Toure are both playing in the slot a bunch, because they're both capable receivers, and they're both guys Green Bay wants to get on the field, but usually the Packers aren't going to have four receivers on the field, so it's going to be one of those two guys. That's what I expect from Jaden Reed from a more traditional get-open-catch-the-ball standpoint. That's what I have on the wide receiver position. Again, a quick run through Christian Watson, your number one guy. I expect him to get a huge amount of schemed up targets. That's what I'm going to call them. And I I also expect him to make plays when it's not schemed up, but he's going to get the ball a huge amount. Romeo Dobbs, that secondary guy. When Christian Watson occupies the defenders, I want Romeo Dobbs to step up and make plays. Samari Toure, just be a consistent guy that's making plays when we need them for us. And then Jaden Reed, get the ball to him, let him make plays. He's your gadget guy. He's the guy you're going to be sending in motion. That should be a lot of fun there. So that all sounds probably pretty good. And I honestly don't think those expectations are too far-fetched. I'm not making any bold claims like Christian Watson is going to, you know, replace Justin Jefferson as the number one receiver in the NFL. I think that if everything goes according to plan, not even according to plan, if everything plays out generally well... The Packers are going to have a good receiving core, but a massive thing is inexperience. experience. I don't necessarily see that as something that's going to be a big problem because, you know, first of all, the top receivers aren't rookies. And then additionally, a lot of the routes that we saw running correctly, which is a big thing that people are concerned about when you bring in rookie receivers, young receivers, is what are they going to run the routes properly? Well, a lot of the guys who are running the routes wrong last year, where are the veterans? Sammy Watkins, I'm looking at you. It wasn't Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs. It was someone like Sammy Watkins. So I don't necessarily think that inexperience is an issue for this receiving core, but I do have two other concerns. The biggest one is injury and injuries are never great. But when the state of explosivity in your receiving core relies so heavily on one guy, i.e. Christian Watson, then injuries are a massive threat. I wanted, I don't like saying this because it makes it sound like I'm dismissing him, but if someone like Romeo Dobbs goes down, that would... I mean, it would be the worst injury Green Bay could suffer at the wide receiver position outside of Christian Watson, I would guess, but it, it's not season-ending. It's, sure, right? Samari Touré has to slide up and play more snaps now. Okay, Jaden Reed's he's definitely going to be relied on more heavily. And Dontavion Wicks, maybe he actually has to start making plays. Okay, yeah, fine. But all in all, you're still going to have your bona fide number one, the guy that Matt can go to every game and get his targets to. And then beyond that, yeah, he might have to do a little bit more work scheming Samari Touré open. But it's it's not going to be massive. If Christian Watson goes down, I'm sorry, but that makes things ludicrously grim. Then those 15, not 15, then those 5 to 10 plays that you have schemed up for Christian Watson, they have to go somewhere else. Last year, those plays are probably going to Aaron Jones on little screen passes out of Pony Package. Guess what? We saw how absolutely atrociously those plays went. Let's not do that again. Who knows then where the targets are going to go this year? Are they going to have to go to Jaden Reed? That's okay, but that means that you're going to have to rely really heavily on this rookie who I'm not necessarily convinced can carry the load that Christian Watson does. You're going to have to start also relying on some receiver to step up and take that deep roll away because last year we saw it a lot. Before Christian Watson was on the field, the field started shrinking for the Packers. Everyone was able to play up close to the line of scrimmage, because guess what? There was no receiver that was going to challenge you deep. Dobbs, a rookie, he wasn't going to challenge you deep. Alan Lazard? Yeah, right. Alan Lazard isn't going to challenge anyone deep. Alan Lazard couldn't challenge a tortoise deep. No offense. Jets, you got a real good one. Just kidding. You didn't. He can't play as a wide receiver one, as a guy that can stretch the field. So, if Christian Watson goes out someone's going to need to step up and Romeo Dobbs is going to have to maybe do that. Jaden Reed might have to do that. Luke Musgrave might have to do that. And we'll talk about him in in a second here, but... The bigger point is that if if simply if Christian Watson gets injured, Green Bay is going to have to find some way of replacing everything that Christian Watson does for the team. That means those five to 10 plays where Christian Watson just gets the ball and gets five to 10 yards. That means the plays where Christian Watson occupies a cornerback and a safety because everyone's terrified of him burning them deep. That means the plays where Christian Watson actually burns someone deep because the Packers, you know, found him a favorable matchup. Basically, don't let Christian Watson get injured. And if he gets injured, the Packers and Matt LaFleur are going to have a much harder job on offense. And that's why you like playmakers on your offense, because it makes things easier for everyone else. So that that's the big concern is injuries. And then the second big concern, I wouldn't say I have this concern because I don't think it'll happen, but it's failure at the top. For similar reasons, the other major issue could be if Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs simply aren't good. And I think that's exactly why people don't like Green Bay's receiving core, except I don't think when someone like Colin Cowherd justifies why they don't like Green Bay's receiving core, I don't think Colin Cowherd thinks, you know, there's a chance Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs aren't all we're cracking them up to be. No, I think Colin Cowherd thinks, yeah, Christian Watson, he's bad. He can't catch. And Romeo Dobbs, I don't know who that is. He must be bad. So I, I think that I have a better sense than him for how good Green Bay's receiving core is. But I do think there is a world where one of those two guys, if not both of them, or maybe none of them, but that's the hope. But there's a world where they're just not good. Christian Watson, I would say there's a smaller chance of that. Because of Christian Watson's athleticism, beyond injuries, it's hard for me to imagine a world where he's bad. I I don't want to say this at all because... It sounds like I'm discrediting him, and I'm really not, but a huge amount of the success that he's had thus far is a product of his God-given athleticism. And it's or it's really not supposed to be a slight, because it was Christian getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning and running sprints, or whatever he did to become so fast and strong that makes him the athletic freak that he is. So it's not like I'm saying he just got lucky, but he doesn't have the fluidity, the nuance of someone like Devontae Adams or the route-running precision of Jefferson or Diggs. And so in that way unless Christian becomes suddenly less an athlete, it's hard for me to see him being worse. So maybe you can take out that concern there. But Romeo Dobbs, I do think there's a world where he isn't, he can't carry his training camp performance over. I think it's also unlucky because everything that we've heard is so good from him and we saw it last year before his injury. But if for some reason he's worse than we expect, then Green Bay would have to adjust. They'd have to start relying on more Samari Turin, more Jaden Reed. And if those guys can't step up either, well now you've got a top heavy receiving core in Christian Watson at the top and then nothing else below that. So The world where, for some reason, the receivers at the top aren't very good, that's also a concern with this receiving core, that and injuries. But aside from that, my expectations are that Watson, he's going to be your number one. Get him the ball 10 times a game. End around jet sweeps, whatever. Get him the ball. Green Bay should want to get him the football. And by the way, Matt LeFleur's freaking phenomenal at getting his best players the football, unless they play running back. When your best player plays wide receiver, Matt LaFleur is going to figure out a way to get him the ball. He did it with Devontae. He did it with Christian last year after Christian wasn't suffering from injuries every other week. So that's my expectation for Christian Watson. Dobbs, he's your tour. He's your two. Him and Toure, they're going to need to find ways of getting open, making catches. Dobbs is going to need to do it more consistently. Christian occupies that extra guy. Dobbs, you got to get open. You got to start making plays. That's what I expect from him. And that's what we've been hearing out of camp. Reed. He's your gadget guy. And then Wicks, whoever else, six, seven receivers. I have no expectations there. Get on the field, run the right route. But the last thing I want to end with when I talk about expectations for this receiving core is that this group plays off each other very well. Watson and his speed, they can take safety attention away, open things up in the middle of the field for guys who are really good in this core in working in the middle of the field. I'm talking about Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed. We saw how good Dobbs was in the middle of the field last year. So, as a group, I expect this core to be good. Good enough for Jordan Love, and this is possibly the most important part good enough for Jordan Love to be set up for success. And when it's third and 10, and they just have to drop back and pass. More often than not, Jordan's going to have someone open that he can throw it to. And some people don't believe in this core. That's fine. Believe in them, don't believe in them. I don't really care. But discrediting them is really foolish because, yeah, they're the youngest receiving core. And so it would also be foolish to bet on them to win the Super Bowl. But it's pretty silly to dismiss them all in all because there's a lot of talent and a lot of talent that hasn't yet blossomed. And we're going to see, I think, a huge amount of that talent blossom this year. And that's why, in my mind, expectations are reasonably high. Watson, he's going to turn into a superstar. Romeo Dobbs, he's going to he's gonna become a name that people are knowing in the NFL by the end of this season. And that's what I'm super excited for. That's what I have on the receiving core. On the tight ends, let's talk about Luke Musgrave, Josiah DeGuar, and Tucker Kraft. Josiah Aguara, I'm just going to tell you right now, he's his own beast. I'm actually not going to talk about him. I expect him to, he's basically a fullback. I expect him to line up in line sometimes as a tight end, but that'll mostly be on running downs when Green Bay, you know, they want to go heavy personnel. They want a 13, 12 personnel. He's kind of that extra guy that is nice for blocking purposes. Luke Musgrave, however, he's your tight end one. He was gifted the tight end one basically from day one of OTAs and minicamps. He's also a rookie tight end. He's also a rookie tight end that's been absolutely lighting up training camp. And that makes my expectations very, very, very tough to settle on. So if we start with blocking, what are my expectations for Musgrave from a blocking standpoint? I expect him to be a work in progress blocking. Because, yeah, he has the frame and he definitely has the willingness to block. So you'll undoubtedly see some plays, see a run play here or there, where he just drives a guy backwards. And do you think, yes, hell yeah, Luke, that's what I want to see. But I definitely think you'll see a play or two in the season where it's third and one, Green Bay needs to pick up this first down. They absolutely need to get this yard. And Luke Musgrave is matched up against, I don't know. I don't know if the Packers play the Niners this year. But let's say, for argument's sake, he's matched up against Nick Bosa. And he just gets bowled over. The Packers get stuffed. And then it's fourth and two or three. And, you know, you're set back. So I think that Musgrave is going to be a work in progress. And really, the hope simply is that he comes in. And as the year progresses, he gradually gets better. His blocking gradually gets better. And by going into, ne- into next year, you can look at Luke Musgrave and think, yeah, there's a world where we can project him to be a good blocker for the Packers. Now, pass catching. This is more fun. It's also still difficult because he's a rookie tight end. And rookie tight ends generally don't put up large numbers in the passing game. But I expect him to have a lot of plays drawn up for him. Just like Christian Watson. Off of play action, I think he's going to be the primary target a huge amount. Whether that's on a, on a cross or on a high-low concept, just on a simple flat. I think we're going to see a huge amount of maybe it's out of 13 personnel where the Packers just have Christian Watson on the field and they run a play action boot and they run Christian Watson on a deep crosser. Maybe they run one other tight end on, uh, in the middle of the field, or maybe they run Luke Musgrave on the middle of the field. And it's just Jordan love find, find we're going to put your two fastest targets relative to their position or the positions they're going against on the field and find one of them and hit them. And it's going to be Christian Watson, four, three, 40 guy, trying to toast people over the top and Luke Musgrave six, which is an absolute burner for a tight end. 4'6", 40 guy, go make a play. And I think we're going to see that a huge amount. I'm also expecting Luke Musgrave to pick up decent chunks of yardage on those design plays, especially something like a tight end screen, where it's just quick, get the ball to Luke Musgrave, and then 10, 15 yards, just like that. I expect Luke Musgrave to pick up those little chunks of yardage, just like I expect Christian Watson to do that. Now, the difference is, of course, that I expect Christian Watson to eventually take some of those plays 80 yards to the house. I'm not necessarily sure that's going to happen with Luke Musgrave, though. We did see Josiah DeGuara break out a tight end screen for something like a 75 yard touchdown back in week 18 of 2021. So maybe we see the same thing from Luke Musgrave. But it's not impossible. I don't expect it necessarily. More generally, however, in terms of just getting open beyond manufactured targets for Luke Musgrave, I'm expecting him to flash, much like Watson did last year, actually. I would really compare Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave in terms of the results you expect in their rookie season, because I'm expecting Luke Musgrave to have some incredible plays where he runs up the scene, he shows off his ludicrous speed, toasts a Jordan Love hits him, 40-yard game. I'm expecting sometimes to run a corner route where he's matched up against a linebacker, the speed and fluidity is so noticeable, and the linebacker has absolutely no chance. He gets t- three steps of separation against the opposing linebacker. Maybe he's matched up against a cornerback, and he still gets a step of separation. Boom, Jordan hits him, 25-yard game. But I'm also expecting there to be little bumps in the road. There's maybe a game, let's say it's week four, and he's being shut down because the Packers are playing best linebacker that jumps to mind, Fred Warner. The Packers are playing Fred Warner. Again, I don't think they're playing the Niners, but let's say they are. Fred Warner's absolutely shutting down Luke Musgrave. That's definitely a possibility. Progression isn't linear, and I think... Musgrave is going to epitomize that this year in the passing game. I think we're going to see some ups. We're going to see some downs. But fortunately, with his athleticism, he's going to have a massive advantage. And the fact that Green Bay can manufacture targets for a tight end can say, yeah, just run in the flat and get the ball and turn up field and get 10 yards. That's super, super awesome. And that's why I'm so excited about Luke. what Luke Musgrave can potentially do. Again, expectations are a little bit lower. From a blocking standpoint, get in there, block well for me and just try your best, honestly, and get better at blocking as the year goes on. From a pass catching standpoint, make plays with the ball in your hand when you get those manufactured targets and have games where you're flashing, where you're getting open, where you're showing off that speed. Then we move on to Tucker Craft. Now, Tucker Craft, he might have to play more than we expected this year but he's looked very much like a rookie tight end. We've seen flashes, like in Family Night. He played well in Family Night, had some really nice success with the twos, definitely one of his best practices from a passing game standpoint. But in general, he's looked like a tight end that has had to come in and learn a huge amount of both blocking and route running plays, which is exactly what he's had to do. So with Tucker Craft, my expectations are extremely tempered now because of the Tyler Davis injury, and this absolutely sucks. He's probably going to get on the field a little bit more. But if they choose to deploy him, I think that it's going to specifically be in 12 and 13 personnel. It's going to be in places where Tucker Craft isn't the primary target, where it's Luke Musgrave is the primary target, or it's Christian Watson, or they're running the ball and Tucker Craft just has to block. And like Luke Musgrave, I have similar expectations from a blocking standpoint with Tucker Kraft. I'm saying get in there. You don't have to be good from day one. I don't expect you to be good from day one, but get in there and learn. And as the year goes on, I want to see you improving when it comes to blocking. From a pass catching standpoint, I think we're going to see Tucker Craft get one to two targets a game. Those are going to come on little routes into the flat, maybe a screen or two but his primary role is going to be to block. And the better Tucker Craft gets at blocking, the more excited I'm going to be about having him on the roster because that is a super, super, super valuable thing for a tight end to be good at. And that's something Tucker Craft's going to need to get better at. And then the last thing I want to talk about is some tight end that's not even on the roster. Green Bay suffered a devastating injury to Tyler Davis. And now... I think they're going to need to bring in an extra tight end. And whoever this extra tight end is, they'd better be able to block OJ Howard. (coughs) OJ Howard. (coughs) Bring in OJ Howard. The Packers have both Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. Those are both guys that can't block, and they're both rookies. I don't need your tight ends to do too much in the passing game. You have Luke Musgrave. If Luke Musgrave doesn't give you anything, suck it up, deal with it, go throw the ball to Christian Watson more. Whoever the Packers bring in as their extra tight end... With that Tyler Davis injury, needs to be able to block. I fully believe they're going to bring in an extra guy, but I expect him to be on the field a bunch as an extra. I'm not going to say a six offensive lineman because that's a that's a role reserved for someone like Mercedes Lewis or George Kittle. But they're going to be on the field in thirteen personnel when the Packers are in their goal line setup, maybe, and they need to be able to power uh, a linebacker backwards. And if the Packers bring in a guy that can block that is, that's going to be paramount. And that's what I expect from, from whoever the last guy they bring in, because if they don't bring in a guy who can block, the Packers are going to fully put themselves at the mercy of Musgraves and Craft's blocking progression. And I think that's a risky progression train to, to put a lot of your eggs into the basket of, but We'll see what they do there. That's my expectation for the tight end position. My concerns, number one concern is blocking. The Packers had the best blocking tight end in football last year. Almost an offensive tackle when it came to blocking in Mercedes Lewis. He's now gone. He's with the Chicago Bears. Hate that. Hate that. Really wish he weren't with the Bears because they actually signed a good player. Good for Chicago. He signed one good player. Congratulations. Didn't overpay for him either. Actually, they might have. I'll have to go check the contract. Regardless, they're... Without Mercedes Lewis, and now they have two rookies in Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. They're going to need to find guys who can block. Actually, they're not going to find guys who can block. We know that Musgrave is going to be starting. So we're just going to need those guys to be good at blocking. And the worst thing that could happen is that Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft are atrocious blockers, and you have to start subbing them off the field. I don't think that'll happen. I don't think they'll be that egregious, but I definitely think there'll be running plays where you think, wow, that could have gone somewhere if our tight ends could actually block. So it's going to be a work in progress, but that's definitely a big concern there. Hopefully our running game doesn't suffer too much from a lack of blocking from the tight end position. And then the second concern is depth beyond Luke Musgrave. The tight end position kind of sucks beyond Luke Musgrave. And I'm not even convinced Luke Musgrave is a good player. I don't think you can be. He's at a great camp, which is awesome. It's better than him having a bad camp. But you can't convince yourself yet that Luke Musgrave is is a good NFL player. So... there's not much depth at this tight end spot. And if Luke Musgrave gets injured, well, now you've lost a huge amount of your speed at your tight end position. Tucker Craft's going to end up taking a lot of your tight end one snaps. Josiah DeGuar is probably going to have to play more tight end than fullback. That could get a little bit concerning. So depth beyond Luke Musgrave, that's my second big concern with the tight end spot. All in all, however, I expect this to be a position where there's a lot of development. I expect Luke Musgrave to flash at times. Other than that, I don't expect to see too many flashes. I expect them to rely on Josiah DeGuar's blocking. And I think that as a blocking expectation for the group, you should expect to see some struggles. There'll be an up here or there running play where everyone mauls a guy and you think, awesome, we should see more of that. But then you don't see more of that. And you see a couple more plays where everyone sucks and the running play gets blown up. From a pass catching standpoint, expect to see flashes. That's what I have on the tight end group. That's what I have on the receiver group. I think the best way that you can summarize what these groups are is a huge amount of young talent, and it's just waiting to blossom. And if it all blossoms, if Christian Watson turns into the superstar, I think he can be Romeo Dobbs turns into that top-tier number two, I think he can be Jaden Reed turns into a top-tier gadget guy, Luke Musgrave turns into the second coming of Travis Kelsey, of course, that'll be awesome. The Packers are going to be look phenomenal heading into next year, assort- assuming Jordan Love doesn't suck. If none of it blossoms, things look really bad. Oftentimes, as with pretty much anything, the answer usually lies somewhere in the middle. I think we're going to see plenty of talent blossom, and I'm expecting a lot out of the top guys. Christian Watson, Luke Musgrave, Romeo Dobbs. So super excited to watch all that play out. This is a developmental season, and I think that's a lot of fun, but... Don't count them out in the playoff race. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I have for you today. I'll be back on Sunday, wrapping up the Packers Saturday game against the New England Patriots. Also talking about Thursday joint practice. So super excited for that. But that is what I have for you. Thank you very much, as always, for listening to Dedicated Packers. Until Sunday, until we talk about more Packers. Go Pack Go!